0: So I want to look at a quote from John Piper concerning Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. And and I think it kind of reveals um, some some areas where he uh, gets off in this chapter, and it, it reveals really some of the issues with the concept of un- unconditional election and, and shows why really that... Uh, to, to hold to that view of God's uh, sovereignty and what election looks like presents some pretty uh, significant challenges. Uh, in the concept of unconditional election, it would have God electing or choosing us um, clear in eternity past. So prior to uh, faith in Jesus, right, before repentance and faith, really before union with Christ, um before we, we ever have a, a real living relationship with him, when we're still separated from Christ, according to the biblical definition, um, it would say that somehow, even being separate from Christ, not in faith in Him, and in unbelief and in sin, not in repentance, at that point in time, in eternity past, uh, God elected us and chose us. Um, and it was, it was only later um, that... Because of that choice, because of, of us somehow getting this, this special, uh, mysterious favor of God, uh, eventually that that favor would lead us to come to faith in Jesus. But My issue with that is that that seems to clearly give us some sort of mysterious favor. We don't know why we got it. We don't know how we got it. But somehow we had this special favor. Um, in this scheme of things, we had special favor with God. And so if you look at this on a timeline of a believer's life, um, it would be, you know, if this would represent eternity past, um, at the point in time, you know, it would be here at some point that God actually chose us. Um, and, and later on, at some point in history, actually in time, we were actually born. Um, we had our physical birth. And then at, uh, sometime later on, we had our Uh, spiritual birth, which would be, again, our our faith in Christ, um, uh, believing in him, repenting. So this would be the point in time where we actually get saved, or again, I think, come into union with Christ. So the issue I see, again, with with this scheme of things is that somehow, at this point here, um, before union with Christ, we have God giving his elect people, well, election, chosenness, uh, predestination, these things that I I can't think of any other way to describe these but to fit them into the category of spiritual blessings uh, that Ephesians 1 talks about, um, which uh, Ephesians 1 also tells us that all spiritual blessings were only given to us in Christ. So in union with Christ is where God gave, gave us spiritual blessings. And out of union with Christ, there are no spiritual blessings. So immediately, I think that presents the problem of how did we get the spiritual blessings of being chosen, elect, and predestined prior to being in union with Christ. So the only way out of this I would see for Calvinism would be to say that, um, that somehow we were in union with Christ prior to this point, which I think When we consider the way that the Bible describes uh, those who are not in faith in Christ yet, it says that they were without God, without hope, separated from Christ, that they were uh, condemned, uh, they don't have redemption, no forgiveness of sins, they're not children of God, but they're children of wrath, and so on and so forth. The question, I think, can be very fairly and honestly asked, how can that be in any way a description of somebody who is in Christ in any sense? I don't see how there can be any way that we could be in Christ in one sense, but in another sense, all those descriptions actually uh, describe our spiritual condition at the same time. That doesn't really make sense to me. But I want to read this quote from John Piper that's from, um, I think it's a sermon or an article form of a sermon. And I think you kind of see him uh, communicating sort of this concept of what salvation looks like and how it took place. Um, and I want to say up front that I, I love John Piper. I've benefited so much from so much of his teaching and his resources. And I still do. I still like to listen to him. I respect him and uh, love him as a brother. And in many ways, I think he's even a father, uh, and the faith to me in certain areas. Um, I've benefited so much from his teachings on God's sovereignty and suffering. And so I say that just to make clear that I, I'm not out to get John Piper. I do not hate him. I do not accuse him of being a uh, heretic or anything like that. I just think like all of us, we can get stuff wrong at certain times. Um, and, and so I, I, I just feel like this is one area where um, he he gets it wrong and I think it I think it's a big area I think it's a big issue and I think it's something that needs to be answered um, and so so you know that's that's all I want to do I want to just give my two cents on this I've been listening to him for a long time I've listened to a lot of his take on God's sovereignty and and uh, again I respect him, but I've come to very strongly disagree with him and, and I think in this specific area um this this uh, quote here is uh, talking about Ephesians 1, uh, 3 and 4, um, at least 4. I'm not sure if he gets into 3 very much. Uh, he probably does. But uh, this uh, I want to look at this quote and kind of show you how I think this is kind of the concept, the scheme of salvation that comes forth from um, j- the way John Piper teaches. So he says, uh, it says he chose us, again referring to Ephesians 1, 4. It says he chose us, not an undefined, massive people but us you and me personally he chose us god so he's referring to god god chose us the word means select from a larger group and the way he did it was in relation to christ um, immediately i'd have to ask how how according to this the the concept of unconditional election how was god's choice of us in relation to christ i i um, I hear him saying that, but I, I really don't understand how he could rightly say that. I don't understand how. The way I've heard him describe um, election and the way he's getting ready to describe it, I don't know how in any way it could rightly be said to be in relation to Christ that our um, us being chosen and elect happened. So he says Christ was not an afterthought to election. And it's funny that he says this because it's almost like he's he's— he senses, he's smart enough to know that some of what he's saying is presenting some issues. And I, I wish he would just uh, consider it more and see that this, this is a big issue. And I think he's incorrect here. I think Christ is an afterthought to election. So he says, Christ was not an afterthought to election. God chose us to come to salvation in Christ, not apart from Christ. So here... I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm misunderstanding him. I could be, but I don't think I am because I've heard him mention this stuff in, in other places. But basically, what it seems to me that he's saying, where Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us in Christ, I don't see him saying that here in this sentence. He says, God chose us to come to salvation in Christ, not apart from Christ. So, what I see here, what I get from this, is that he's saying God chose us to eventually come to salvation in Christ. So, what happened first, again, going back to this whole scheme of things, what happened first is God chose us. What happened first is we got the spiritual blessing from the Father called being chosen. That God first gave us the spiritual blessing of election and predestination. Prior to salvation in Christ, prior to faith in Him, most definitely it was prior to faith in Him. Uh, most definitely it was prior to our repentance in relationship to Christ, uh, and so somehow um, he's saying that this was that this choice was in relation to Christ. So, so my take from what he's saying is that it it he made this choice with Christ in mind. Um, I can see what he's saying, but he made this choice for us when we were still disconnected from Christ. We were still not in union with Christ. Um, So again, going back to this timeline, it was here, sometime in our lifetime, that that union with Christ happens. But he puts election and being chosen by God prior to this relationship with Christ. So again, that's why I'm, I'm asking, how can he rightly say that this choice happened in relationship to Christ, or in relation to Christ? Because uh, the only way I could see that is that that God chose us with Christ in mind. He chose us. He gave us these special privileges, the special blessing, this special favor. And really, God the Father entered into some sort of mysterious relationship with his elect people long before they had a relationship with Christ, which seems to me, again, to fly in the face of uh, nobody comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. You can't first get to the Father. God can't first give you spiritual blessing of being chosen and then later on bring you to Christ and then later on finish out that original salvation that he had already started with, the, with Jesus. Uh, for one thing, that just makes Jesus like one, again, he makes him the second step of salvation. Um, he's saying that, that this view of election does not make Christ an afterthought, But I just simply have to ask, how does it not? How does this concept not make Jesus the afterthought of salvation? That the most important aspect of salvation, in my mind, I don't know any other way to get around it in unconditional election, the most important aspect of salvation was this first step. Without this first step, this means nothing. This really, Jesus, faith in Jesus, repentance, relationship and union with Christ, really was just a tool or an instrument. To finish out the real work of salvation that God had already done uh, and started, you know, in eternity past, which is election and chosenness, and you can even see uh, John Piper, unfortunately, using, uh, uh, speaking and communicating things like this um, in reference to election. Where I, I, again, I can't see any other way to say it but to uh, to see it. I I don't know how else to see it but to see him uh, putting election above union with Christ, above Jesus, that election really becomes the biggest thing, the biggest issue. Um, So again, he says Christ was not an afterthought to election, but I would like to ask again, how is that not the case? Um, So it says, but it was us that he chose. Uh, These words are not strained at all in carrying this meaning that God chose particular people to be his children, through their union with Christ. Um, And then he says, but I say the words of verse four alone will probably not settle this issue. So he's saying Ephesians 1.4, Probably if you just take that in and of itself it's it's not enough to really prove the concept of unconditional election and um, that's I, I definitely agree with that um, and I think actually Ephesians 1:4 if we understand it we, when we consider that Paul says that all spiritual blessings are given to us in Christ and we uh, make I think the natural assumption that election chosenness and predestination are spiritual blessings, then really, his concept of of unconditional election um, is not only settled in this verse, but it becomes absolutely impossible. The only way I could see him getting out of this is if he is somehow saying that we were chosen in Christ. That that this that he's not saying. Um, that he's not saying what I, what I'm getting from this sentence here, where he says, God chose us to come to salvation in Christ. So again, what that sounds like to me is that that places God's choice of us before salvation in Christ. That places God's choice of us prior to union with Christ. It's not a cho. It's not a choice. uh, It's not God's choice of us in Christ, but it's a choice of God for us to become uh, in Christ. Again, that that it, I, I hope you're picking up on that. There is a, a significant difference there. It sounds to me like what he's saying in this sentence is not that God chose us in Christ. He didn't choose us in as much as we were in relationship to Christ, but rather God chose us prior to relationship to Christ, and he chose us to eventually come to be in Christ. And And to me, that's that's not at all what Ephesians 1 4 says, where it says he chose us in Christ. In fact, I would see that as the exact opposite almost, that, that that choice is something that happens outside of Christ, not in him. It's a choice that happens not in union with Christ, but it's a choice that happens for union with Christ, to make union with Christ happen sometime later in the future. Which again, it separates the blessings of God, the spiritual blessings of God, uh, from jesus it puts spiritual blessings to god first and then jesus second so it 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 produces a separation um when ephesians 1 3 and 4 says that all spiritual blessing is actually in jesus you can't separate one from the other if you've got one you've got the other and if you got the other you got one you can't you can't uh, have the spiritual blessing of being chosen and not be in Christ If you're in Christ, you're chosen Because being in Christ, part of what goes with it is being chosen um, Just like if you're inside a warm house that has a, a fireplace in it You can't be in that house and escape the heat The part of being in the house, what's included with that is the heat And so, in and that idea of things, it's all about being in Christ first So again, the only way I could see that he could get out of this uh, severe issue as I see it is that somehow he is trying to communicate, um, and I'm just misunderstanding it, but maybe he is trying to communicate that uh, God did choose us in Christ, and somehow that's what he's saying, which would mean then that ultimately he's arguing that uh, prior to this point of faith, uh, that that prior to that we were somehow in Christ, that we, we could be, that the Bible describes us as being in union with Christ, and so when God did choose us, he did choose us in Christ. So I don't, you know, that, that again, that would be the only way I could see you could get out of it, but that would present some major issues immediately. So I want to look at some of those issues. And I don't know if you watch the, uh, the video I made on Ephesians one, uh, three and four yet, <coughs> but I made this little diagram to kind of, uh, give a, a, uh, picture of, of in Christ, what that looks like and the biblical description of the things that are included in him, um, and so uh, this circle here represents being in Christ. Uh, inside of this is the spiritual location of union with Jesus. Um, and so some of the things that, that the Bible describes, uh, those who are in this place, those who are in Christ, the descriptions for these people are uh, no condemnation, Romans 8. It says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, Ephesians, uh, I believe it's two says that Jesus is our peace. So that when we're in him, we have peace. And Romans five talks about how we've been justified by faith. So we have peace with God through Jesus. So in Jesus, we have peace. Um, it also talks about how uh, you know we're, we're predestined. Um, Timothy, where I'm I'm gonna completely misquote it, I'm sure, but Paul talks about how he's given us uh, something about purpose and grace that he's given us in Christ, right? So got the purpose of God to conform us to the image of His Son. Even Ephesians one uh, has predestined, uh, has God predestining us, predestining us through Christ. So it, it's it's only in as much as we have that relationship to Christ that we have predestination. As I see it. Um, obviously, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Um, and then other descriptions, um, I believe in Ephesians 1, where it says that uh, in Him we've received uh, redemption and forgiveness of sins. And, and, you know, obviously we're God's children and all these things. So lots of good things that come with being in Christ. But again, Ephesians 1 will specify that all these spiritual blessings, that every spiritual blessing of God, That all of it is only located inside union with Christ, and there is nothing left outside of Him. God hasn't left anything out, um, outside of Him, outside of His Son. And so, again, let's look at some of the things that are (coughs) outside of Christ, some of the descriptions of people that are not uh, yet in union with Christ, and so some of those would be. Uh, that were described as being, you know, not God's people or without hope we're separated from Christ and separated from God. Um, you know, we're not God's children, but rather we're children of wrath. Um, and we can take uh, Romans 8.1, if, if we're in Christ, we have no condemnation. Well, I think the obvious conclusion is that if we're out of Christ, that there is condemnation and, and spiritual death. And so outside of this circle is the circle is to be outside of Christ, to be outside of union with him, to not be identified with him in the mind of God. Okay, so now let's consider those things. If it would be a reasonable option, uh, if John Piper is saying that we were in union with Christ prior to this point of faith and relationship, well, first off, let's think of what uh, the Bible describes people as, what condition it describes people being in prior to faith in Christ. Well, again, we we saw that there is condemnation; that we're not, uh, we we are without God and without hope. That we are uh, separated from you know all of God's promises to Israel um, and so on and so forth, and so that presents an immediate problem, is that according to the Bible, prior to faith and repentance, prior to having the Spirit, we were not God's people. We were not His. We we did not have uh, again like a, a Ephesians uh, two, I believe, says that we were without hope and without God. So how could that be? In any way true, if if this is true that we were actually at this point we were actually chosen because God had chosen us clear before we were naturally born, um, that we were we were chosen by God, how could it be accurately said at that point that we were without hope and without God? That that just makes no sense because how could we? If we were elect and chosen by God before the foundations of the earth in the way unconditional election would teach, then there's no possibility that we could ever be without God. There was never a possibility we could ever be without hope. And none of those descriptions could be rightly said of us, that we weren't, we weren't really without hope and without God or separated from his promises. He had confirmed and made absolutely certain all of his promises uh, for the individuals he chose way before they were born, um, and so none of those descriptions of those people who are outside of Christ could ever be rightly applied to the elect people, um, even prior to their faith in Christ. And so I think that would present, uh, first off, the, the the issue is that if John Piper here is trying to argue that uh, even before this point, people were in union with Christ, they were in Christ, so got the God did choose us in Christ, well, the Bible describes us not in that way. Um, The Bible says that we were without hope. We were without God. Um, And so if we take that line of reasoning, it it presents that issue. And then to look at the other side of it, um, let's look at the, again, let's look at the, uh, the benefits that are said to come along with being in Christ. So again, if John Piper's arguing that back here we were chosen in Christ, then rightly we would have to give to ourselves at this point all the other things that come along with being in Christ, which would include things like redemption, forgiveness of sins, uh, no condemnation, Romans 8.1. And so how in any way could those things be accurately uh, describing us prior to this point in time where we actually repent and come to faith and have a relationship with Jesus? Basically, what you're that that would conclude then is that there has never been a time where any of these negative things actually uh, defined the elect person. That really the elect person has always been. Uh, God's child has always had no condemnation. There's never been a point in time where there's ac- actually been danger of them uh, being under condemnation or wrath. They've never been in danger. How could you rightly say they've been in danger? Uh, that would be to contradict the sovereignty of God, as if God's plan could be thwarted. Uh, there was never no danger uh, of the elect uh, being uh, eternally judged uh, according to the concept of unconditional election. Um because God's purposes will stand. And if his purpose was to choose individuals before they were born and and unconditional, not based on faith or or union with Christ uh, or, or relationship with Christ, then um, it could, again, it could never rightly be said. Uh, the, the way the Bible describes uh, people prior to faith in Christ, just it would not make any sense for these people. Um, and, and if those descriptions did apply, then it would leave the elect person with having always been uh, with forgiveness of sins, having always had uh, no condemnation on him and, and never really without hope or without God. And so so again, he, he says, uh, I... Uh, If we look at what Paul says elsewhere about this, we can be sure about what he means namely, that God chose his people individually and personally before the foundation of the world to be saved. And he chose them to be saved through union with Christ. So there you kind of have it. I feel like he's saying it a little bit more clearly, and a little bit more, uh, it becomes a little bit more clear that he's not actually trying to argue that they were chosen in Christ. Um, In any way that I can understand that would make sense, because actually what we hear him saying here is that he actually chose people, he chose individuals uh, to be saved through union with Christ. So again, I don't know any other way to see this, but to see that that point one of salvation was being chosen, um, and this happened in eternity past. Again, prior to faith or relationship with Christ, somehow we had this special favor, favor and this mysterious relationship with the Father prior to relationship with the Son. But somehow God chose us to uh, ultimately one day end up in union with Christ, um, which would be point two of salvation. And really, again, I, I don't see any other way to see it, but to say that this really is the most important step. Jesus is an afterthought here in this scheme of things. Um, and and so, again, he says he chose them to be saved through union with Christ. So the choice came first. The choice of individuals came first by God, and, and that choice eventually led them to union with Christ. This, to me, is 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 making Christ an afterthought, in that I think it really detracts from the centrality of Christ in salvation and the centrality of Christ in God's sovereignty, um, which I think the purpose of God's sovereignty, I think if we understand it, that Paul says in Colossians that uh, the mystery, he, he wants the Colossians to have the mystery and the, the treasures of knowledge and wisdom which are hidden in Christ. So I believe the, the treasures of the knowledge and wisdom about God's sovereignty all are wrapped up in the person of Christ and God's sovereignty isn't about, uh, primarily about God's sovereign choice to choose whoever he wants or whatever he wants. God's sovereignty is primarily about God's choice of Jesus. And and I believe Jesus is the focal point of a, a true understanding of God's sovereignty.